Good morning, First Church. Welcome to the Timber Four. My name is Kevin Perthius. I'm your Benton Heights campus pastor, and um, thank you for being with us. Hey, if you missed our winter rally this past week, we had a great time of worship, and many people signed up for our winter classes. Um, but if you happen to miss it, um, it's okay. You still have time to sign up for classes. Just go to our website, myfirstchurch.com backslash classes, and you can sign up for one of the many great classes we're offering um, this winter. If this is your first time with us, we want to thank you so much for spending time and worshiping with us this Sunday, but we also want to get you connected. And so sitting around you should be a section leader. They should be wearing a lanyard. Uh, make sure you get connected with them. They would like to connect you with what's going on here at our church and connect you with others sitting around you. It's time for Kids Zone. Uh, we have um, Kids Zone is a, is a great kids ministry. It's the best hour in a kid's week. And so if you have little ones with you, I ask you to take them to the lobby and get them checked in for Kids Zone at all of our campuses. That's all I have for you. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. Good morning, how we doing? Is everyone just a little freaked out that the chairs are different? I know, we're crazy. We went straight rows instead of curvy rows. It's just chaos in this new year. Well, we're glad that we're gathered as the church. I want to invite you to stand as you're able. We're going to start our morning out by worshiping God through song. And so I invite you to sing loud if you know it. If it's a new song for you, I encourage you just to sort of read along with the lyrics. Say them out loud with us so we can all just be saying these phrases to God together. And it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It covers me and raised this sinner's life. And it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. Giver of every breath I breathe. Giver of every breath I breathe. Author of all eternity, giver of every perfect thing, to you be the glory. Maker of heaven and of earth, no one can comprehend your work. King over all the universe, to you be the glory. I'm alive, and I'm alive because I'm alive in and it's all because of Jesus I'm alive It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ It covers me and raised this sinner's life And it's all because of Jesus I'm alive Every sunrise sings your praise. The universe cries out your name. Singing freedom all my days. Now that I'm alive. Every sunrise sings your praise. The universe cries out your name. Singing freedom all my days. Now that I'm alive. 
because, it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ. It covers me and raised this sinner's life. It's all because of Jesus. All because. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. And it's all because the blood of Jesus Christ covers me and raised this sinner's life. And it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. Let's sing that again, all because it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. One last time, church. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. Amen. Well, we're starting this uh, series on worship called Downpour. We started it last week, but we're really going to focus on what it means to lead a lifestyle of worship, worshiping with every part of our lives. And worshiping through music is just one piece of that puzzle, but we're going to practice that this morning. So as we sing, I just want to encourage you to really focus on these words, focus on God, and let these, these words be more than just singing songs, but let it be praise. Let it be prayers from you. Let's sing together. You hold the reins on the sun and the moon Like horses driven by kings You cover the mountains, the valleys below With the breath of your mighty wings the treasures of wisdom and things to be known are hidden inside your hand. In this fortunate turn of events, ask you to be your friend. You ask me to be your friend. Of wisdom and things to be known are 
hidden inside your hand. And in this fortunate turn of events, ask me to be your friend. You ask me to be your friend, and you, you are my first, you are my last, you are my future and my past. Oh, and you, you are my Peace. 
God, we love you and we praise you. And we ask that you would uh, just guide us this morning, help us to understand you a little bit better. Help us to love more like you love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Together we say, amen. You can have a seat, and as you're doing that, our ushers are going to come forward and uh, get ready to take up our tithes and offerings for the morning. There's uh, more than one way to, to skin a cat and to give your tithes. So there's, uh, we have this new platform where you can actually text this number uh, to give, and you can also check that out on myfirstchurch.com. Really easy way to uh, set up online giving. We are in 2016 now, so this, this is the future. You can just send money digitally. It's pretty incredible. Apparently, this has been available for quite some time, but we, uh, we're just getting on board. So, We want to make it easy, though, for all of us to be a part of what God's doing, and one of those ways is by giving of your tithes and offerings. So thank you so much for those who do give, and if you've never tried uh, tithing, I'd encourage you to pray about it, think about it. Again, this is a way we pool our resources and are able to keep the lights on, but also send kids to Haiti and send trips to India and be a part of some pretty amazing things. So let's pray together. God, we thank you that, uh, that you let us be a part of your work in the world, that you see this, this hurting and broken place and you want to do something about it. And so you called us, you made us, and you've given us the task of being your hands and feet in the world. So God, help us to, uh, to not take that lightly, and God, help us to use our whole lives to worship you and bring your hope and love and peace to the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah. Hey, Dan. like to... Uh... Welcome those that are joining us uh, via the internet. We had uh, over 40 folks online uh, with us last weekend. Uh, just for your future reference, you can uh, get on myfirstchurch.com. Uh, if there's a happen to be a weekend that you can't be here physically, uh, like if we had gotten the foot of snow or whatever they were forecasting, uh, and not just the paltry, barely snow that we got, um, you could actually still be with us in worship, and you can get online myfirstchurch.com. So want to welcome those uh, folks that are with us online today. Uh, take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in the book of Acts, but before we uh, jump into that passage that we're going to kind of be looking at, I want to refer you to the passage that was the inspiration for this series, Downpour. Uh, uh, several months ago, we, we've been talking about this for some time, but uh, in Isaiah 45, there's this great passage. Let me read it for us. Isaiah chapter 45, uh, verse 8 says this, Shower, O heavens... From above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. And I love that prophetic picture of what uh, God uh, prophetically way back when said, someday this is the kind of thing that will happen. And we have seen through scripture, we've seen these times when God has poured his spirit out. And we see it in, in scripture. In this passage we're going to look at in Acts, uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter 1. But in Acts chapter 2, you see this kind of thing happening where he talks about clouds rain down righteousness. He talks about the earth opening talks about the, the reaction of, of, of this world when God pours himself down. 
the reaction of salvation and righteousness and the fruit that's born and the earth causes them to sprout. And so we see this beautiful picture, and that's what we're seeking as we look at this series. Now, originally the series was going to be singularly focused on worship, but as we've been thinking and praying and dreaming and thinking about what all God wants to do uh, through this series, we've kind of expanded that, that idea beyond, and we know worship is kind of central to, to who we are in Christ and living our lives as an act of worship, and, uh, but we want to think about it even in a, in a broader term. Um, been sensing uh, this week as, as kind of praying that uh, maybe God was, was wanting us to kind of kind of expand this idea and, you know, what more, God, do you want to do and kind of in this series and kind of been thinking about that and kind of wrestling around with that. And we had some meetings with some of our worship folks like Dan and some of the others, and we were kind of thinking about that and talking about that. Uh, and then there was a, I got an email as I was kind of wrestling around, kind of unsettled about exactly where God was taking us. And I got this email. I just want to read you a, 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 just a little clip of it from uh, Pastor Chris. He's the campus pastor over at Seems also obviously works with our, our teenagers. And, he, and this is what he wrote, kind of, a, kind of a side thing. He and I really hadn't talked about this. He said this, I sense that the downpour is something special, this series. A revival of God's broken people. God's intentional, spirit-filled move to restore. Maybe even needs to be a call for us to prayerfully seek revival. For us as individuals, for us as a church. What Chris didn't know is that last Sunday, uh, you know, obviously I didn't preach last Sunday. Chris and Dooley preached did a great job. And I know you're blessed with that. But I was going to be going to the Green Bay Packer game. And yes, I have been grieving all week at the loss. But it was fun to be there. But uh, uh, so I knew I wasn't preaching, but I, was, I had gotten up early and I was just praying, praying for this service, praying for uh, our internet campus, praying for Stevensville and Benton Heights and praying for Pastor Chris and Pastor Kevin and, and praying for Krishna as I knew she was going to be speaking. And, and as I was kind of walking early last Sunday morning praying, I, I felt, and I'm not one of those people that kind of has these, oh, God spoke to me and here's this word. And I, I, you know, I'm not kind of not kind of wired up that way. I like that. I'm more cerebral and whatever. And so I, I want to be open to that, but it's just not something that just has to me all the time uh, in that kind of that really direct way. But as I was walking and praying, I just really felt God, just this, this overpowering sense, David, you need to pray for revival. You need to pray for the church. So I prayed, and I prayed for Stevensville, and I prayed for Benton Heights, and I prayed for, uh, for, for St. Joe, and prayed for our internet campus. I, I just prayed, and, and God, bring revival. And, 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 and then, then to, to see the, Chris kind of kind of aside from that, send this email, and he's kind of talking about the, the, the very same thing. And so I want us to just kind of think in terms of, in this series, kind of expanding it uh, beyond. But, you know, worship is at the core, the center. In any great revival, you're going to have some tremendous worship, some time times of intense worship with with God but but I want to just talk today about what it would look like for us to anticipate a downpour of God's spirit in us and to use a working definition of revival as we think about just praying for that and praying as a people uh, I love Tim Keller's definition of revival when he says this uh, he says revival is the intensification of the ordinary operation of the work of the Holy Spirit let me say that again he said, revival is the intensification of the ordinary operations of the work of the Holy Spirit. I love that definition. 
The revival is God uh, through the Holy Spirit. There's this intensification of what is kind of the norm and kind of what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit uh, is in the, the business of convicting and converting people and sanctifying, which is a fancy theological word of saying, helping people to live like Jesus and giving them, them the power to do that, assuring people of, of, of where they are in Christ. That's all the work of the Holy Spirit. So what would it look like if, if that's what God did in our midst? If that's the, the, the result, as we prayed and as we saw and as we anticipated revival that we saw in our midst an intensification of the ordinary operation of the work of the Holy Spirit if we saw an intensification of conviction of conversion of, of, of the sanctifying work, of the work of being like Christ in, in our lives. If, if there was an intensification of the assurance so that, that we didn't walk around our lives wondering if we were followers of Jesus and wondering if we were okay with God and wondering about if God's real or some of those kind of things that we sometimes wonder about, but there would be an intensification of the work of the Holy Spirit and we know that we know that we know that God's alive and He's in our lives. Revival is the downpour of those ordinary operations of the work of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about anybody else in this room, but that's what I want and that's what I need. And so what, what would it look like if together we sought that and we, and we ran after that and we, and we pursued that and we anticipated God doing that? So here's the bottom line. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what God's up to. But I know that I have seen this week his fingerprints directing us and leading us. And I, I hope that it's okay that we kind of modify what we said we were going to do and do something just a little different as we seek, as we anticipate what it would look like for us to experience a downpour of God's Spirit alive in us. I just want to be open. I just hope that you will join me in being open to all that God wants to do in your life, in the life of our church, in the, in the life of our church, whether you're uh, joining us by internet or whether you're at Benton Heights or Stevensville or whether you're here, that what would it look like if we together as God's people sought a downpour of the Spirit alive in us. So, First Church, let's get ready, let's buckle up and see what this downpour is going to look like as we anticipate it coming. So to help us with that, uh, in the book of Acts, I referred to, we're going to look at chapter 1. Actually, in chapter 2, we see this, this uh, what uh, many would say is the kind of the birth of the New Testament church in Acts 2. It was uh, what they call the Day of Pentecost, was 50 days, or they get that word, 50 days after uh, Christ's resurrection. And, and on the day of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit came. It was the fulfillment of the promise that, that God had made to his people. And so in chapter 2, we see that happening. But I want to kind of, I don't want to focus on chapter 2. I want to focus on chapter 1 because in fact, chapter 1, that's where they got ready for that. That's where they were preparing. That's where they were anticipating the work of the Holy Spirit, anticipating this revival, anticipating this downpour, anticipating the intensification of the works of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of God doing something special in his people. So let's, let's start there. Let's start with 
them in anticipation. And so we have in Acts chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 3. And if you start in verse 3, you see that it's been 40 days after, and I'll kind of give you the background. For 40 days, Jesus, after he, he had been crucified, he'd been laid in a tomb, and he'd risen from the dead. He'd appeared to his disciples, and he had, they had seen the nail marks in his, in his, in his wrist. They had seen the puncture wound in his side. They knew that it was him. They had, had, had borne witness to the, the reality of the resurrection. And so for 40 days, he'd been hanging out with them. He had been teaching them. He'd been preparing them, talking about the kingdom of God, this wonderful thing that, that, that he was ushering in. This new day of this spiritual journey that they're going to be on. And so uh, that has all happened uh, for 40 days. Acts 1-3, we see it was, had been 40 days. And then listen to the very next verse. As, again, Jesus is hanging out here with his disciples. In verse 4, he says this. It says this. And while, the, uh, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. So the promise that he's talking about that's coming, he said, I need you to go back to Jerusalem. I want you to wait for the promise. And the promise that he said you need to wait on uh, happens in chapter 2. And in chapter 2, we see the downpour of the Holy Spirit. We see them baptized, as, as Scripture kind of describes it, baptized with the Holy Spirit. When they were kind of getting that first hand, when Jesus says, I want you to wait, and I want you to go, you're going to experience this promise, they had no idea what he was talking about. Okay, I really don't understand what that means, this promise of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. But uh, they know, had no idea the magnitude of how that was going to change their lives, how it was going to change the life of the church, how it was going to change uh, history, how it was going to change our lives, to, to know the Holy Spirit can, can work in us and can help us and come alongside us. First church, as we look at their lives, we see that they waited in anticipation of what Jesus said would be the fulfillment of the promise of the Father. So I just want to ask you to, to join me in anticipating that downpour, anticipating that revival, anticipating that intensification of the work of the Holy Spirit uh, through our lives and through our church and through our multiple campuses to, to see what it would look like and to seek what it would look like for us to experience that downpour. So let's go back to the disciples. Disciples have been with Jesus, been hanging out with Jesus. Jesus is going to go back to the Father very soon, in fact, that same day. And so he's given them some final kind of instructions. And, and he says, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. And it's going to be in Jerusalem that you experience this downpour of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's been promised you. And he would then go on and he would talk more about it. He kind of flesh out what does this baptism of the Holy Spirit, what's it, what's it kind of, what difference is it going to make? And in verse 8, we see the difference. He says, you're going to receive power. So this downpour was an empowering experience. As a result of that empowering experience, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so here we see him giving them the vision of what's going to happen. You're going to go, and I want you to wait. And you're there in Jerusalem, and as you're waiting, something's going to happen, something special. There's going to be this downpour is going to happen. And as a result of the downpour, you are going to be this. You're going to be my witnesses. It's going to empower you. It's going to help you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he gives them those instructions and those marching orders, and here's what it's going to look like. And then in verse 9 it says this, And when he had said these things... As they were looking on, he was lifted up, 
and a cloud took him out of their sight. And remember what Jesus said to them. You need to go, you need to go back to Jerusalem, you need to stay in Jerusalem. If you're going to experience what, what the, the reality of this promise, if you're going you're to experience, you're going to live it out, it's going to happen in your lives, it's going to happen first in Jerusalem. So you need to go back to Jerusalem because that's the right place to be to experience the downpour. Brings us to the first point as we think about what we can learn from these disciples as we, with them, join them in anticipating the downpour of the Spirit in us is like them, we need to make sure that we are in the right place. When you look at the story, you'll notice that Christ was holding his final teaching on uh, called, what was called the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is a hill that was just across a valley from Jerusalem. Uh, and so let me just kind of read that for you. It's this hillside overlooking Jerusalem because we see in verse 12, it says, And they return. This is after he ascends back to the Father. Uh, and so in verse 12 it says, And then they returned to Jerusalem. Remember Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, or the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. Now, uh, a, a good law-abiding Jewish uh, person knew that uh, you kept the Sabbath, and to keep the Sabbath you couldn't walk more than about uh, uh, 300 or 3,000 feet, about half of a mile or so. Uh, any more than that, it was considered, that was considered work. And so they had to be close to Jerusalem. They had to be near this place. Uh, four years ago, I want to show you a picture. Um, and this is a picture of Jerusalem looking, standing on the mount, at the Mount of Olives. There's a valley that, uh, if you're on one side, if you're at the Mount of Olives is here, and Jerusalem is here, there's a valley called the Kidron Valley, and that Kidron Valley is filled. You can see, if you look at the picture, you can see it's, it's a bunch of tombs, it's graveyards and whatever, and so that's in this valley. When David said, yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he was walking through the Kidron Valley. For millennia, it has served as a place to bury the dead. And so, and so here they were on the Mount of Olives, and it's where Jesus sends, and, and they go from there back to, Scripture says, back to Jerusalem. If you look at this picture, you see the Dome of the Rock, and this is today. Just uh, on one side of that dome, that dome wasn't there, obviously, in Jesus' day, is where the temple sat. And so, I want you to imagine that, that here they were, standing on this, on this hillside that was just a short walk, 3,000 feet or so, back to, into Jerusalem. That was all the walk that it was, just one, down one side and up the other side of this valley. And if you were standing there, as I stood there, you can see Jerusalem, you can hear Jerusalem, you can, if you were in, that, in their generation, the temple would have been right there. So it was the place that they offered sacrifices. So you could probably have smelled the, the, the incense that were burning as they were offering sacrifices the animals the, the the atonements were being made and the maybe the even hearing the animals as they were as they were sacrificed all of the hustle and bustle of the city it was right there they were close enough to hear it to see it to smell it but yet they were not quite in the place they needed to be and if you're going to experience the downpour of god the downpour of the holy spirit in your life this revival that we want to with anticipation seek we need to make sure that we're in the right place not just near the right place it's a picture of uh, niagara falls niagara falls um i've never actually been to niagara falls 
Uh, but this is a picture of Niagara Falls. I've been to Iguazu Falls, kind of similar, but it, this is a picture of Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls, uh, powerful, awesome. I mean, you can get a sense of how awesome it is just by looking at this, at this, at this picture. And if you get a little closer, I'm sure as you walk up and park in the parking lot and walk up to where the observation areas are, that you can hear the, the waterfall. And maybe if you get close enough, you might even get a little bit of spray from the waterfall. But if you really want to experience the waterfall, here's what you need to do. You need to grab one of these little ponchos. Anybody grabbed uh, one of these uh, ponchos and got on the boat and, and at Niagara Falls and actually got right next to the falls, that's what it means to really experience Niagara Falls, to get right in there, not just near it. And so, and so, and so uh, we, we think about the downpour of God's spirit and the downpour of what God is doing in our, in our what we want God to do in our lives. It, we don't, it, it's not good enough just to be near it. And Pastor Kevin and I were talking about this this week and we're kind of brainstorming uh, illustrations that we might use to kind of illustrate this. And so uh, I was kind of thinking about this Niagara Falls. We had talked about sporting events that, that you can be there last, last uh, Sunday night. Uh, Jacob and Caleb and I, we were at the Packer game, and as you go get, drive up to Lambeau Field, there are people that are all around, that, that are in their RVs and got their tailgating stuff going on. They never darkened the door, they never got inside the stadium, but they were there, and there were things that they were experiencing, but they weren't in the stadium. There's something different about getting into the stadium, not just near it, but in it. Jesus says, you need to be in the right place. After Pastor Kevin and I were thinking about kind of that sports kind of illustration, I kind of was thinking more, and I began to think about Niagara Falls and what it, what it would look like to, uh, to be near Niagara Falls but not really experiencing Niagara Falls. And it was at that moment I had one of those God moments that I kind of referred to earlier where I felt like God was asking me to pray for us and to pray for revival. And my mind went back as I was kind of thinking about Niagara Falls and thinking about God's power and thinking about the, the power of the Holy Spirit alive in us and the downpour of the Spirit alive in us. And my mind went back to a conversation that I had months and months and months ago. And I, and I, was, like a, I was like a kid in a, in a, in a, looking for a treasure, that had lost a treasure, trying to find a treasure. Because I know that I had, I had written somewhere down in a notebook somewhere that this conversation that I had had with an individual. And so I looked and looked and looked and this is the, this is the conversation. And I wrote it down because, uh, you know, lady in our congregation, many of you know her, Elise Merrill. She called me up and she said, hey, uh, David, I, I'd like to come and talk to you. I've got something I really feel like I've been praying about. I really feel like uh, I, God wants me to share this with you. I said, like, oh, okay. And so, and so she makes an appointment. She comes into my office and she sits down and she, she's real apologetic. She's like, well, you know, this is kind of odd. It's kind of weird. I, kinda, I really kind of uh, hesitated to come and, and talk to you. And she was kind of saying all those things. I'm like, it's okay, Elise. It's all right. Don't, don't worry about it. And, and then she said, um, I had this dream. And you were in it. And well, that's kind of odd too. And so, but, you know, uh, don't get that often. And so I'm like, yeah. And, but she said, I really feel, I, I kind of resisted doing this, but I kind of really feel like that, that God wants me to share this with you. My spiritual antenna went up and I'm like, okay, let me get something to write with. I want to just try to record some of what you're sharing to me, sharing with me. So here it is, July 17th of this past year. And I just want to read you the first line. 
He said, David, um, in this dream, you and God were standing at Niagara Falls. And I, I mean, you know, for you, you think, oh, that's a coincidence and whatever. For me, I got those spiritual goosebumps <laughs> as I thought, God, you're doing something here. And this thing that you asked her to share with me months and months and months ago that I wrote down for whatever reason and I put back somewhere and that I actually found. If you've been in my office, I've got these all over the place and I actually found the particular one where this is at. Uh, Crystal could stand up and give a word of testimony. But anyway, uh, uh, but it, so let me just read you what, 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 uh, some of what I, she was talking about. That, that disciples, she, she said that this is what she felt like that God wanted me to hear because this is some of the stuff that, that uh, again, as God kind of prompted her. Some things that our congregation, she felt like God wanted them to hear. The disciples operate in power and authority. That the Holy Spirit is alive in us. And it's okay to make mistakes at times, but we need to keep seeking Him. That we need to grow deeper. That we need to learn intimacy. We need to have a depth in our love of God. That we have an inheritance with God. And, and kind of went on and on. I, I wrote so fast I can barely read my own handwriting. But just, I, I, and again, you may think, well, it's no big deal. No, no, nothing, nothing too earth shattering there. Except, friends, God is real. And there's, I know that there's some of you that are struggling with, with knowing that. And does God still, is he, is he there? Does he, does he communicate? Does he, does he share with us? And, and I don't have those moments all the time. I'm, I, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is so that it, it takes, and I, and I just want you to know this. As I stand here today, I know that I know that I know the, the bottom of my, from the bottom of my toes to the top of my head, there, there are just times that, that God just God pours himself out and he just reminds us that he is real. And this is one of those moments. And if you're struggling, to know that there is a God. I just want to encourage you today. Encourage you that he's real and that he loves you. And he brought you here today to remind you again that he is in pursuit of you and he wants to have a relationship with you. So when we look at this story, what we see is that they were near this place, but they weren't, uh, they weren't exactly in the, in the right place. And so what, what's God telling us? And the same can be true of us, that we can be near the place where God wants us and near the place where he wants to pour his spirit out in us. And we can hang out in places that, that, that it's near the place, but it's not quite there yet. It's important for us to physically be in the right place. Kind of like... Kind of like here, not that, not that God can only work in a, in, a, you know, in, a, in a service like this, but this is a good place. And let me just say, if you miss Wednesday night, we had this worship experience uh, in the other in the building Wednesday night, it was one of those times that God just showed up and it was this cool worship kind of time. And it's in those moments, and so I would encourage you, and you're here, and so I, I would say, you know, good job that you're putting yourself in a place where you can experience and you can be in the space where God can pour down, and he can pour down on you uh, uh, at home through a computer screen. He can pour down you uh, out, out somewhere, out in nature somewhere, on a beach somewhere, but there's something about the church. There's something about, about being with God's people that's special, and that this was his idea. 
And so physically, we need to make sure that we're in the right place. I would encourage you to be committed to be, be here, to be in worship. We need to morally be in the right place. Maybe there's some stuff that you know no one else knows, but God knows. And there's some stuff going on in your life that's contrary to his word. And if you want to experience all that God has, if you want to experience revival and an intensification of God at work in you, then you need to make sure morally that you're in the right place. You need to make sure that you're theologically in the right place, that, that you're in the right place believing the key things. That need, and there's things that we can, you know, debatable kind of matters, but you need to, there are key things you, have, you must believe. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that he is the one that gave his life for you. The, as the, uh, the fancy theological term, the penal substitutionary atonement, you need to believe in that. Believe that Christ gave his life for you, that he is the way to the Father. That's important to believe that, to believe that there's a heaven, there's a hell, that there's a judgment coming. Believe some certain things, that the resurrection is true, that Jesus rose from the dead. He was crucified for your sins. There's some key theological things, and until you kind of get to that point, the, you know, to the downpour of the Holy Spirit, you're going to struggle. Theologically, you need to be in the right place. Relationally, you need to be in the right place. You might remember a passage where Jesus was talking in Matthew 5, and he said, you know, if you're about to offer your gift at the altar, and then you remember that your brother has something against you, you need to leave your gift at the altar, you need to go make peace with your brother, and then come back and worship. Relationships, and messed up relationships, and not being willing to forgive, and having stuff that's not been settled. Those are things that can get in the way of the downpour of the Spirit alive in you. So are we in, are we in the right place to experience the, the downpour of what God wants to do? As we go back to the story, look at verse 4 again. And, he's, and while he tells, tells them while, you, uh, while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. They need to be in the right place, and then when they got to the right place, they need to wait. They need to wait on God. They didn't experience when they, they walked down one side of the Kidron Valley, up the other side, through the, through the gate that they were going through on that side of the city of Jerusalem. When they walked through the gate, they did not experience at the gate, when they stepped their first step into, the, into, the, into Jerusalem, they did not experience this promise, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until days later, over a week later, in fact, on the day of Pentecost that we see recorded in Acts 2. And so they were waiting. They were waiting and they were anticipating. And so as we anticipate the downpour like them, we need to hurry up and wait. And wait for what God wants to do. To live in anticipation of the miraculous things that God wants to do in our lives personally, in our lives corporately, and in our, in, in our world. But we need to remember that timing, that's God's job. And so we just wait and we, and we trust and we seek him and we, and we go after all that God has in store for us. But we wait and we, and we know that it's God's time and God's agenda. So First Church, I just want to call us to anticipation of what God wants to do. To anticipation of God bringing a time of renewal and revival in us. An intensification of the work of the Holy Spirit, revival in us. 
But it's not something that we do on our own. It's not something that if we just have enough, if we have a planned revival series of services, if we, if we pray enough, if we pray the right prayers, if we sing the right songs, if we preach the right messages, then we, there's this formula that we do. And if we do all these things, then God will be forced because we've rubbed the genie in the bottle the right way and we've twisted God's arm and then he brings revival. That's not the way it works. It's God's people just waiting, praying, seeking. And then in his time, he pours his spirit out by his agenda. Let's go back again to the story. Look at verse 6. Right after Jesus had told them to stay in Jerusalem and wait, in verse 6 he says, And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time, because he just told them about the Holy Spirit, he said, well, at this time you restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come, has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus just told them that, hey, you guys need to go back to Jerusalem, and when you get back to Jerusalem, then, then the promise is going to be fulfilled, and you're going to, be, you're going to experience this downpour. You're going to experience the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses. He, he, had, he, had, he told them the witness thing later, but, but he told them about that promise and to go and to wait. And what is their first reaction after that? Well, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So they go right back and start talking about the kingdom of Israel and, God re- and Jesus restoring that. I mean, I can only imagine how frustrated Jesus was. Because, because all he had done, did they not get the memo that, that Christ was not coming to set up some political kingdom? That he wasn't coming to, to, uh, to destroy the Romans and to set up this earthly kingdom? That that's not the kingdom of God that he'd been talking to them about? It kind of reminds me, I don't know if any, any Dumb and Dumber fans... Um, Dumb and Dumber, if you remember, is it Lloyd? Is that the main character's name? Is that his? I forget his name. But anyway, the, the uh, Jim Carrey character, he, there's this girl that he's fallen in love with. And so uh, he's hoping to have a relationship with her. And so he travels uh, across the country to, to the place where she's going to be. And he uh, finally gets an opportunity to, 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 to ask her about the possibility of them having a relationship. And, and he's like, okay, what are my chances? And she says, well... Um, and you could tell, I mean, he's like him, and she's, you know, this beautiful whatever. And, and, and she's like, well, the chances aren't good. And he's like, okay, not good. Um, and so he thinks a minute. He's like, like, not good, like one in a hundred? And she kind of thinks a minute. And, and he's like, you know, you need to give to me straight. You need to tell me, you know what, you need to level with me. I've come halfway across the, uh, the country. And she says, well, more like one in a million. And he stands there for a minute. And he thinks, and he thinks, and he thinks, and he's like, so I've got a chance. It's, I mean, he, she just said there's not a chance, but she, they didn't get it. He didn't get it. And that's why the disciples, Jesus had taught, and had taught, and he taught, and, they, and, and he taught about the kingdom was something different than this physical kind of thing, that it's not this physical, but this spiritual kingdom that, that he was coming to usher in, and he'd given his life to it, and he died and resurrected. And then the very first question is, so, when are you going to do this thing? Jesus kind of passes off answering that. But notice what he does say. But. How about that? But. Here's what I want you to understand. You're going to be, by this empowering, my witnesses. 
And he tells them you're going to start here and it's going to go through the ends of the earth. And, and what would happen is that when this empowering came in the book of Acts, when it empowering came in the day of Pentecost, that they, that's exactly what happened. That their lives were changed and transformed. And they became witnesses. And these, this little group of people radically transformed the entire known world at the time as Christianity spread like wildfire. One of the main reasons being the authenticity of their faith as they lived it out. And so what we see is God... Jesus here reminding them that they had a role in what he was up to. The role of an empowered witness. And so as we anticipate the downpour, we need to embrace our role. That we, as we anticipate the, the intensification of the work of the Holy Spirit, we need to understand that we have a role. That God doesn't want us to just to sit back and to, to watch what he does in this world on his own. He doesn't want us just to have a posture of turning our hearts toward Christ and, and having a, a life where we worship Christ and we, we're, we honor Christ and we, we, we watch Christ and, we're, and we, we have this posture of a role of uh, we're just looking for the next worship experience and going to the next service and the next thing that God's going to do. But what he says is, yes, I'm going to pour my spirit out, but you have a role in what I'm going to do in this world. And so do we get that? Do we embrace our role? We think about worship, that, that, that worship should be, should be not just what I do in this room, but it's all that I do as I live out my faith. And, and so when we think about a downpour of the Spirit, we need to embrace our role, not to just look for the next experience and the next, and the next jolt of spiritual energy or whatever, but we have a role to fulfill in this world. And to embrace that role. That we have been, there's a call to be empowered for a purpose. And so if we're just kind of sitting around, kind of in this, we're just, you know, kind of in this Western cultural kind of a Christianity kind of thing, I go because I, I see some friends here and I go out to lunch afterwards and it's kind of, I, I kind of, it makes me feel less guilty about the other things I'm doing in my life and so I kind of go to church and that's kind of the, that's kind of thing. You know, what, do you really need the empowering of the Holy Spirit? For church, I want to call us to, let's, let's, let's be about some things that unless the Holy Spirit gets involved and engaged and works through us, it will be impossible for us to do. That's the kind of thing that wakes us up in the morning. That's the kind of thing that we can give our lives to. Something unless we have some divine help, we can't do it. And that's what God, that's what Jesus was telling them. And so one final thing real quick, verse, look at chapter 2, verse 1. And it says that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So Jesus had told them that you need to go to Jerusalem and you need to wait. And what do we see? In verse 1 it says, and I love the word, this one little word, they were all together. Not a one of them was out with some other thing, nothing else was more important. Can you imagine them, them gathered and, and Jesus had said that, that the, promise of the, Holy, the promise of the Father is coming, that, that this special thing is going to happen. You need to go to Jerusalem and you need to wait. Can you imagine the anticipation of, you know, they had seen Jesus being raised from the dead. They had, they had seen the nail prints. They had seen the, the place in his side. The, the dead had come alive and, and now there's a promise of something special that was going to happen in them. I, I imagine that as they're sitting around, they're like, nobody even wants to to leave to go to the bathroom I, I don't want to leave because I, what if it happens while I'm gone they were all there and I think I would just encourage us that that's the way we need to live as we anticipate the downpour we need to believe like they did that the best is yet to come do you, do you believe that the best is yet to come 
Are the best days of this church in the future? Or, or, or we, are, are the best days of your spiritual life? Is that, is that in the past? Is you know, the, the high day of your spiritual journey was the day that you confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior and you really uh, felt close to God at that point, but you've been on this, this meandering journey, kind of wondering if there is even a God after that point? Is that, is that the way you want to live your life until that time that maybe God comes back, maybe Christ comes back, or maybe he doesn't? Do you want to live like that? Or is there some, is there some more? Is there a better? Is there, is there, do you want Christ alive in you? Do you want the power of the Holy Spirit alive in you? So that there's a deeper conviction of sin. So as you walk through this world, you know you walk in a purity in your relationship with Christ. There's a, there's a deepening as you, as you are walking through this world that you are a witness and, that, and, that, and there's things that make your palms sweat that you're engaged in that you don't know how it's going to turn out but, but because God was with you and you see miraculous things happen along the root road because you have the Holy Spirit alive in you. Do you want that? Do you want to you see miraculous kind of things happen? Then let's wait in anticipation that the best is yet to come. But, and you know what? As we wait on God... If in our generation, our generation has been chosen to be the generation where the dry bones, kind of that story in the Old Testament where it was just a valley of dry bones. And if we don't sense some big outpouring of the Holy Spirit, First Church, I want to call us to continue to be faithful. Even if there's not some experience, even if there's some, not some downpour, that we have committed ourselves to be faithful until that time that we are called home. And I guarantee you, when we get to heaven, that there will be a tremendous outpouring and downpouring and whatever kind of experience. It will be a wonderful experience. And so even if it doesn't happen in this life, can you anticipate and live with the reality that the best is yet to come one way or the other as we follow Christ? In verse 9 it says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud uh, took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven... Behold, two men stood in their white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? And Jesus said, Who was taken from you into heaven? He will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So they were watching. They were watching Jesus ascend back to the Father. And then, and, and then they were just kind of standing there. And these two guys didn't even notice were there. They were like, Hey, uh, these two angelic guys, Hey, uh, you need to, it, it's time to go. You can't just stand here. We, don't, made them, we need to make sure as we conclude that we don't get caught just gazing into heaven and not being about the things that God has told us to be about in this world as we are his witnesses. Heavenly Father, God, as we conclude today, God, we just want to pray. Just like on this day of Pentecost that you brought the promise of the Holy Spirit. God, they had been anticipating, they had been waiting, they had been obedient. And God, you did something special in them. And then they took that because they understood their role. They took that and they, they went in the empowering of the Holy Spirit and they went into their world and they changed their world for you. And God, I pray that you would, not just so that we can have some experience, Father, I pray that you would pour down on us so we can embrace our role and we can change this world for you. We can represent you. We can love this world in your name. Help us, God. We, we, need, we need you. We want, we want more of you. And so, God, help us now as we kind of reflect and we sing a couple songs. You would help us to reflect where we are. God, help us to get back into the right place where we need to be. 
Help us to be uh, just in anticipation as we wait. Help us to find our role. Help us, God, to just believe the best is yet to come. Work in our hearts now. Send your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. invite you to stand with us. Let's sing together. Your grace abound. Your grace abounds in deepest warmth. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds Trust is without 
want to, and I messed up the order of things, so I apologize, band. I just want us to, I just want to call us to a deeper place. And you know what? I, I don't know what that means. I, I really don't. What I know in my own life is that until the time I am called home, I know that I go through times where where, uh, where I'm a little stale and I'm a little grouchy spiritually and I'm, I'm you know, I, I just, I, I get that way and I kind of, we have those valley kind of times and, and but, but, but at the same time, I want to live my life when God kind of pokes me that, that, I, that I want to seek Him and I want all that He has for me. I, I want to be a, a person that, again, until that time that He calls me home, I want to be able to be a witness and to make a difference in my world. And I, and, and I just know that God is calling us to be revived. He's calling me to be revived. And I just want to invite you to come on the journey and open up your life. And like this song says, that, that God, I just want to open, be open to, to what you want to do in me. And so God today I just want to pray for my friends and I recognize that I'm not the greatest pastor in the world and I'm not the greatest husband in the world and not the greatest father in the world and whether it's my sons or my wife or this church I pray God that you would help people to see a man that wants you and God humbly today I ask that you would pour yourself out, pour your spirit out on us, that there would be a, an increase in, the, in what your Holy Spirit does in us of convicting and converting and sanctifying and working in us. God, we need that. 
We need it not just so that we can have some experience, not so that we can just walk out of here on some spiritual high and we can feel better, but God, we want, we want it because we know that you have a purpose and a role for us in this world. And so, Father, in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray that you would pour your Spirit out on this generation, God. That you would pour your spirit out on this, on this church. And God, we just want to pray that, that if, you, if you want, we just want to be humble enough that if you would just, if you would do it, that we want to, to go and we want to make a difference in our community. And, and, and if we could humbly be a help to some other congregation or some other church or some other Christian of some other denomination, God, as, as you fire us up, that we could help them and be a blessing to them. And, and God, help us as the body of Christ to, to work together with other churches and other believers so that this this community can see, God, that you're real and you're alive. God, please bring revival here. And God, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. But God, we just want to wait on you to believe that in our generation that you could do something new and special. We love you, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name as we seek you. We pray. Amen. Everyone needs compassion. Kindness of a Savior, mercy falling. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Let's sing together, Savior. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me. Take me as you find me. All my fears and failures. Fill my life again. Give my life to follow. Everything I believe in. Now I surrender, now I surrender, oh, Savior, He can move the mountains, my God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save, forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light. Shine your light and let the whole world see. Singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. Singing for the glory of the risen King. Shine your light, shine your light and let the whole world see. 
shine your light in, let the whole world see. Singing for the glory of the risen King, Savior, Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, as you leave, sorry we went a little over, but you know it's been a, it's been snowy and stuff. So there's not many people at the restaurants anyway, so it's all good, right? So glad you're here. Come back next week. If you're here for the first time, our section leaders are at the back of the room. Uh, they've got lanyards on. Make sure you introduce yourself to them. They've got a gift they'd like to give you. Glad that you're here. Lord bless you. And so let's together let's seek what God has in store. Bless you as you leave. <laughs>